This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ash Millman. Hello. And Rich Hudson. Hello. And I asked on Twitter for a bunch of community questions to help spice up one of the episodes for this week and got a lovely little response, so there's quite a lot to get through. Uh, there's Ooh. also the ongoing controversy around BlizzCon and Diablo and fan entitlement and all that jazz, but we'll get to that stuff. I thought we should warm up on a few questions first. So, from Daniel Shalito, he says, which movie, which video game movie are we looking forward to the most? Is it Detective Pikachu or Sleeping Dogs? 100% Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Yeah, like, Detective Pikachu. I didn't even know they were doing a Sleeping Dogs movie. I remember hearing rumors about it, and I think right. that it's literally just going to be like Point Break in Tokyo mm. or whatever. I don't know if you guys have played the Sleeping Dogs game. No. I have I'm, not. Oh, you've missed out. It's one of the best <laughs> open world, martial arts focused open world games. Open world twice because it's just that damn good. Uh, it's got an, an, a really good voice cast, and it's all about this uh, guy called Wei Shen going underground with the triads or with different gangsters and then trying to take them apart from within. I think that's a more solid premise, potentially. Than Pikachu with a coat on. But oh I, my god, that's such a good I, I idea, mean, though. Like, isn't, it, isn't Pikachu voiced by Ryan Reynolds? Right, yeah, Ryan yeah, Reynolds in the movie. Better. That's that's just a big selling point. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. So we've got two votes for Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I will. I'll vote Sleeping Dogs, but we'll see. Uh, next question from Riza Hawkeye says, "Which game would you chuck in a bonfire?" Now this came from the <laughs> the general fact that when I asked this, Ooh. it was November fifth. So, um, which game would you like to see burn to a crisp? Maybe Fortnite for you? Because you're on a fire. No, I, I don't. I don't hate Fortnite to the extent <laughs> I want it to be on a bonfire. Mm. I just personally don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little singe, not full. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's yeah, little, it's, just, it's not my thing. Let's just give it a bit of a, give it a bit of a prod. <laughs> um, I don't know which one I would I would get rid of altogether. I think some franchises need a break. Like some stuff, yes. we could do with taking it some time off. Like perhaps Assassin's Creed, although they get it take two years it off. It definitely does need some time. Odyssey's off. good, or right? Origins and Odyssey are both pretty good. What would you burn? I actually don't know. I think if we're going to talk, if, if we give like a real like rational, serious answer, Go on. no art form or medium should be censored by being thrown into a bonfire because it all means something to someone. <laughs> but of course, that can be our disclaimer at the start of the podcast. No. But also, oh, 
I don't know. Okay, we will, we will potentially return to which game would we set on fire. You guys can let us know down in the comments what you would burn to a crisp because we don't have anything that we don't like that much. Although you can check out our chatty face video on uh, what our worst video game opinions are yeah. where yes. I trash GTA 5, which is always fun. Uh, so on another note, Christopher Kelly says, which game has the best fireworks display? Now I picked this one because we've just come out of November 5th and the week of fireworks mm -hmm. and I want to talk about Fantavision, which I don't know if you guys remember, it was a launch game on the PS2. Um, and you basically just, a fireworks went up into the sky and you chained them all together for all yeah. sorts of lovely explosions. It looked amazing back in 2001, but the graphics are probably terrible now. But back then, that mm. was amazing. I don't know if you guys have any other ah. firework displays to throw in. I mean, typical me, uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon 3. Yes. Had a whole fireworks sequence mixer. You could make your own thing. You could upload your own music and make a big fireworks display oh, really? in the parks. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool. You could cool. do that. Planet Coaster has the same. I've barely touched it in Planet Coaster, but... Tycoon 3 has got an amazing fireworks. A fireworks mixer. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. You can, you can genuinely put, you have to place down all of the actual um, launchers of all the fireworks right. and then you have like a big, like essentially like a big video timeline and you've got, you pick out all the fireworks and it shows you how long they are. You put it down in the timeline, you pick which of the uh, launches it comes out of, right. and you can do all to music. That yes. reminds me a lot of the uh, the creator pyro thing for a lot of the like, yeah. recent wrestling games where you can specify what you want to go off and I guess, yeah, it's pretty when. much that same thing. Yes. Yeah. Ash, do you have any particular fireworks displays? Ooh, I can't even think. I like, I'm like. i thinking of like the Robot Wars game. I don't, think that had, I don't even think that had fireworks in. It's just all the exploding metal. Like, <laughs> oh, that was a good display Sparks in general don't yeah. count. It's got to be a specific <laughs> thing. I liked that. Although, there was an old game on PS1 called Bishy Bashy Special, which is a whole bunch menagerie is, Isn't that like a WarioWare Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah, lots of little mini games. Micro games. games. Yeah, and one of the ones in there was a firework chaining thing. So, mm. like, as soon as I started thinking of Fantavision, Boom Boom Rocket is another one that's oh, very yeah. similar to Fantavision. Um, but there's that. So, uh, Patrick Mulford, I believe is his name, uh, was saying that on the last podcast we talked about Grip, which is kind of like the spiritual sequel to Roll Cage, yeah. um, and said, which other uh, old school hidden gems do we need to know about? So you can kind of, you can pick anything from old school PS1, PS2, because we did recently just do a video on PS2 stuff. We did, we did. That was uh, that was lots of my opinion on what I thought was great. Yes. Um, the Drakan the Ancient Skates is one of my favourite um, PS2 What's games. That? It's like this, you play as this woman, this sassy woman with a sassy dragon, okay. collecting loads of swords and killing off demons that have come from another dimension, um, and it is so good. It's like, called Dracania. Uh, Dracan. Okay. D R A K N. Like, okay. Like Dragon Guard, but just Dragon. I was going to say it's not the Dragon Guard in the uh, no, no, no. Thing, the Ancient Skates. The ancient, I'm pretty sure it's just Dragon in the Ancient Skates. Okay. But it is. It, it is. It's so good. Like it's just so fun. And you go through like swamps and have to kill all these frog people. And there's like um, golems with laser eyes. Like it's just all of, <laughs> all of the best fantasy things. And you have to be really careful with your potions and like you load out with your swords and get them repaired. I can't think of any it's, of the frog really people. So yeah. I mean, why not? It's good. Bring them up and kill them. Do you have any hidden gems? Good. Hidden sir? gems. Oh. Or anything that only you because. There's always, sometimes there's a thing like toy box turbos. You pull that off the ether and you're yeah, like, you need to play this that's game. That's hidden gem. So uh, <laughs> there's stuff that you might have. Are you thinking of like an old, like an older one? Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I did one of these for Chatty Faces before, but the Italian job, oh, PlayStation right. One, uh -huh. uh, massively way ahead of its time, way ahead of GTA. Um, in terms of doing like a 3D open world. It was only purely driving. There was no um, on foot anything mm -hmm. or like any um, weapon combat, but it was a open world driving game set in London, Turin and the Alps based on the 1960s movie. Okay. And it was made by, uh, it was made by SCI, published in the UK by I SCI. the budget being quite good. Published in the well, States by Rockstar. Right. 
Um, and yeah, it's just a, a game way ahead of its time. People who know Ita the Italian job for PlayStation 1 will know what I mean when I'm right. like, it's a gem. It's, it's a, it's an, it is an immaculate game for the time. It's very blocky, like the driving <laughs> is a bit iffy at times, uh -huh. but for what for the ambition this game had, it was way ahead of anything else at the time. That's cool. So, I've, uh, I've recently been editing a, a list on the website for a bunch of underrated old-school RPGs, so there's one called Legaia, uh, Legaia 2 on PS2. Uh, really old-school, like, GRPG, like, you know, to a fault kind of thing, but I used to like those games. Uh, Legaia 2, and there's another one called Grandia, the Grandia franchise is really cool. Not mean anything to anyone who doesn't care about JRPGs, <laughs> but if you want to dig out, if you're a fan of turn-based combat and you like those sort of like archetypal, like you know, fantasy, you're the chosen one style yeah. narratives, then they are they are two of the best ones that I loved over the years. Uh, next up is from Nathan Paxton says, if Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft got into an Anchorman style back alley brawl, <laughs> who would win and why? Now, Nintendo have got a hell of a lot of, of fury behind them at the minute because they're coming back into the game. That's what do you think? true. I think, honestly, I think because Sony don't like sharing or playing games, they just like their own stuff. It's going to be a case of Microsoft and Nintendo like doing a cross-platform join-up and just smacking the shit out of it. Sony with just like in a, the corner. And nail boards, like fighting real dirty because Sony is like the big hench dude and mm -hmm. these pair are just going to be clinging all over him going, Meh. Yeah, I could, just, I could just see Sony sitting there going, yeah, 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 you, you do your thing. You two fight it out. We'll just we'll Yeah, we'll do, we'll do our own thing in the corner. Yeah. I think that Microsoft, considering their like their general brand ethos at the minute, is this big lumbering, weighty mm. thing. Like yeah. you know, there's only three of us in the whole office who have Xbox Ones, but the ones who yeah. do are very happy that we do. But the size of the Xbox One makes me think that Microsoft in a fight would be this big lumbering tank thing that would eventually dominate, but might take a few years to get there. <laughs> the thing is, though, you say about like um, well, I said about. Uh, Sony just sitting there doing their own thing. That's mm. kind of what Nintendo been doing all this time as well. Yeah. So I feel like both Nintendo <laughs> and Sony will be sat there going, "Yeah, whatever." And then there's Microsoft going, "Come on, then. Who wants <laughs> to go? Who wants to go? I'll take you all on." And, and there's just there's just Sony, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo sitting there going, "Yeah, whatever." Are Nintendo the campers of the company space? They wait their time. They buy their time. They always get their shots in. I feel like they they they, they, they are fair. they are the the sniper in a building near the park where they're having mm. this fight. Yeah, they're just picking it off, picking <laughs> off these these other companies that. They're, their competition they just like and it's they're just, just getting rid of them all. It works. Nintendo for them, just sit out of the way. They do their own thing and it works. Yeah, <laughs> so. they've got that whole thing like down. So I, I like never was like a big Nintendo person growing up. I always had like um, I had PlayStation Two, I had then Xbox mm -hmm. and all that. And then uh, seeing Nintendo now and like how they've grown over the years mm -hmm. as well with all the other stuff. Like they just literally they're so good at doing their thing. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Continuing it like such yeah. a lasting force. They're kind of like their own island at the minute. And like obviously their release schedules. They're outside of the standard console cycle, which yeah. they seem to make work. I don't think any other company could kind yeah. of. Make yeah. it. Work, I feel but, like all three yeah. of them now are doing their own things. Like they used to be. Obviously, if you lumped Nintendo into the into the debate when it came out to like the seventh generation of consoles with like the Wii and the Wii mm. U, you just get pushed away again. It's like yeah. it's it's not relevant to this yeah. current argument of Xbox versus PlayStation. But even now, PlayStation and Xbox have gone two very different ways. There mm. are still games you get for both platforms. But Xbox is the the legacy system, really, isn't it? The one that has the backwards compatibility. Yeah. It's got its massive library of titles still going. And then PlayStation is the one that are like, okay, we've got all the best exclusive games, the best yeah. of this generation. So it's like you they are they do seem to be in three different quadrants now. There doesn't seem to be any proper head to head between any of them anymore. No, not yeah, you're right. Like yeah, not mm. so much. It always used to be Sony versus Microsoft and Nintendo yeah. on the side. Obviously you go back <laughs> over the decades and like that's kinda of waxed and waned. But yeah, they're they kinda of got their own little fan bases now, which is working for Nintendo. Like PS3 versus three sixty, the only really big thing the PS3 had in my opinion is probably the fact they had Blu-ray support mm, mm -hmm. whereas like apparently programming for the PS3 was an absolute pain yeah. whereas the 360 was dead easy and it's like otherwise they were pretty much neck and neck throughout mm. the whole thing even though Xbox still came out on top 
in that generation. Apparently, now, yeah, apparently the sales did eventually creep yeah. up, but the general perception is that the 360 buried it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, now, but nowadays it's just like, okay, here's three platforms. These are what you get from each of them. If you're just somebody who plays multi-platform games, it doesn't really matter what mm-hmm. you get. But they all seem to be in their own little corners now. So next up is another one from Nathan Paxton, who says, as for a serious question, how do you feel about game review scores as a whole? Many people have become outspoken as of late about review scores being detrimental to the review process. What are your thoughts? So we've seen some outlets like Polygon or Kotaku get rid of them and just do like a general reception like Eurogamer or whatever, like Kotaku just do a yes or no, should you play this and break things down in the text. Um, Ash, what are your general sort of thoughts? Um, so for someone that's like really into film and star reviews and all that sort of thing, uh, I think I think they're really easy to just look at and go, okay, well that's the general mm. feeling of this. But what you've always got to bear in mind with um, with scores and with star systems and all that sort of thing is to look at it and go, well this is a reviewer's opinion. And I think as a reviewer, to get that opinion across, then mm. game scores, uh, numbers, stars are the perfect way of doing that. But it, it that boils it down to an individual opinion. So there's, there's two arguments for it. There's like Yes, it's good for the industry to not necessarily have a star rating, mm-hmm. um, but as for, for personal preference, I actually really like just seeing. Okay, well, this kind of sits around here. It's like when you see a, when you see a four on IMDb, it's like okay, that's shite. Not go- a f- that's uh, rubbish. You're not going to four gonna- out of ten. You mean not four out of five? <laughs> four out of ten. Yeah, yes. four out of ten. Sorry, I got mm-hmm. um, I got if Rotten Tomatoes is percents and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all over the yeah. place. But yeah, seeing a four out of ten, you go, well, I'm not going to invest any time into that. Mm. And then you see a six out of ten, you think, well. That's kind of up to perception. It's mixed. And you see an A shot, well, I've definitely got to play that. So I guess that's the, that. that's the crux of the debate is that a lot of people only see the review score at the end and then don't dive into the meat of the product and don't give it its full, like, yeah. you know, give it its full due. I think you can have both. I think that you can't expect people to give up the time to reread a couple of thousand words, but it, it's obviously really helpful to yeah. have, you know, more detail and nuance and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I like both. I like the cultural, like, I don't know, weight. You can say that, oh, this is a five-star game or a five-star yeah. product. Like, I think that's worth saying um, as opposed to asking people able to delve into a full review i don't know if you've yeah. like found over the years that it's that you found like not taking in review scores as much or anything yeah i mean i i i live by rotten tomatoes a lot whenever <laughs> a score comes out i'm always intrigued to see what the score is and it, it doesn't necessarily influence my opinion on whether i'd see a film or not if i see a film i want to see i'd go and see it yeah if i see a game i'd want to play i will go and play it mm-hmm. um but it is always nice to have that you, you have a rough idea as to how things are, but again, it is all entirely subjective. If you go into a review knowing it is subjective, then you'll come out of it probably better than someone who's just taking this particular op- a reviewer's opinion as fact. Yeah, yeah. Like, for example, like earlier in the year, I, I reviewed Jurassic World Evolution. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd review that differently now yeah. okay. than how I did then. Just That's just based on having more time with the game and so on and so forth. But like back then, IGN's review for it was a massive anomaly compared to like everyone else. Yeah. Mm. And I think you've always got to take that into consideration that these reviews will always... You, you never really know what's going to come out of it because even with something like Red Dead 2, mm-hmm. hype is huge around it, yeah. and there was um, there must have been a part of you thinking that the reviews could turn around and say this is absolute garbage. <laughs> I never thought it would get as low as absolute garbage, but you, I know, but you, everyone assumed it would be like a straight 10. Yeah, it was. but there's, there's always that inherent fear yeah, of yeah, yeah. things like that. But I think people need those scores to... To, to really gauge their own opinion and maybe sway things. Mm. Like, there are times when, um, especially because I've, be, I've been doing um, ups and downs with Doctor Who over the past few weeks, there have been times when I've finished an episode and I've thought, I don't know what to think of it. Like, right. I, I, I've mm. got a rough idea, but I really don't know where I sit. And then I look at other people's responses and I go, okay, mm. everything is sort of soli- it's <laughs> solidified. This is what I think. It's, Thank you, Will, yeah. for telling me. <laughs> it's more just like it solidifies. If I've got all these feelings up in the air, like I, can't, I don't know where I sit on the X, Y, and Z mm. with mm. whatever, and then you see someone else's, you see somebody else say it, and it seems to 
bring it back to a point. It mm-hmm. solidifies everything down again. I think there is that, but I, I think reviewing scores are better for people who are unsure about a game for themselves. If I, I mean, see a recommended, it's like, but you're just saying recommended. Does that mean it recommends to me who like, is likes it this type of game? Or, yeah. Like, if I look at, say... If, if, for example, somebody reviewed XCOM 2, a mm-hmm. game that, because it's like turn-based strategy, it's never really been my cup of tea. Mm. But if they say recommended, does that re- does that mean it is recommended to me? It's because just it's like, like a general I, thing. It is just a general yes or no. And again, you know, you get that with review scores anyway. Mm-hmm. But with recommended versus not recommended, you get so, it's more black and white than having a score, yeah. especially out of 100, like Rotten Tomatoes do. I always like those scores because they're so vast. There is mm-hmm. such a difference to mm-hmm. see between them all. Um, but I, I, think I, I like the idea of having a score there to see. Same. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated in, like, just, I don't know, like, review discourse and nuance, like, breaking something down. Like, there's all of that stuff. I think, like I said, I think you can have both. Like, uh, I think it's just... it's, it's uh, Things like just having base review scores do also help in conversation. Like, the argument against review scores is that it focuses people to go, oh, it's just a nine, and they don't really break down why. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. like, because if a whole bunch of people are saying this is a nine out of ten game, is it a ten out of ten game, or whatever, then those conversations come naturally anyway, because it's like, well, actually, I didn't like this bit, and we didn't, yeah. I didn't like this bit. And that's why on the site we do ups and downs. Like we do the reviews on the channel and we'll ascribe something like a star rating. Yeah. And we break things down a lot more on the website too yeah. because that is an, an easier way to pass out exactly what works and what doesn't about a full thing as opposed to trying to like crunch it into a number. So yeah, I, I've always found that stuff to be quite fascinating, but it's the debate will rage on. There's like <laughs> half of the major gaming uh, websites have ditched review scores. Some of them are still going, so whatever. But with that in mind, we can kind of pivot into the biggest story of the time, which is... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. The thing that happened at BlizzCon. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about this in the office. Uh, we haven't done a, a podcast thing on it yet. Um, but basically Diablo, Diablo, Blizzard went out there and announced a new Diablo, but it was called Diablo Immortal. And it's an app. It's going to be uh, on iOS and Android. Yeah. And it's just the mobile version of Diablo. Now, obviously, the hardcore Diablo fandom were a bit peeved at such yes. a thing. Because it wasn't Diablo 4. Um, leading to one uh, one person in the crowd getting on the microphone and asking during the event, is this an April Fool's joke? To which the developer obviously said, well, no, it's something we've worked on for a long time. Um, a lot of people booed them. And then the people on uh, Blizzard's side said, well, you guys all have phones, right? And so that didn't <laughs> yeah, really that was, strike that the was best not, that, Yeah, that wasn't the best response so I think, to that question. I think it's worth um, picking apart. Now, this is a humongous discussion that we'll not have time to do the whole thing for, mm. but um, the idea being that if you're putting money into a product, how much does the consumer dictate the creative whims of the company? Because you just because you have the money that you're preparing to pay like doesn't mean that you can dictate the creative side of it. I, I wonder how much people need to be reminded of the different boundaries of a specific medium because mm. this isn't Kickstarter or this isn't sorry not medium uh, like service or whatever it's like this isn't Kickstarter Blizzard or not Kickstarter and like you know you're not paying for a tech product like an iteration of a tech product you're paying for a potential creative work for good and for bad they have full creative freedom like you know how much do you guys think that when you when you're preparing to pay money that a certain creative side of a game should live up to what you're paying for like other than just basic technical ability I think it um, it, enti- it entirely depends on their um, their open openness to community and all that sort of thing as mm-hmm. well. If they're a community-based company and they want to do things based on community, then that's, again, up to them. Yeah. Then they can uh, they can take things in and say, well, okay, we'll take this. People want to see this. Uh, I completely agree, and I think it's absolute nonsense to think you can say, here is my money. Make the make things the thing for I me. Like, if you want to see that that thing, you can either wait for it or, like, it, advocate for it. Yes, say, maybe this isn't what I want right now. Maybe this isn't great for me. Mm. Um, but you can't just sit there and go, well, I wanted this. And Why didn't you make it. this? Yeah, like th- that's not how anything works. People don't, people don't do that. Like it, it's a creative process, like you're mm. saying. It they own all these properties. They want to do this thing. They haven't even said Diablo Four isn't happening. It's just coming out at a later. Dave Nyon said time. it is happening. It's just that. Yeah. The I mean, Kotaku, uh, Jason Schreier did a whole deep dive and talked to some members of Blizzard that said actually they were ready to announce Diablo Four at this event and they pulled it at the last minute because the creative when they were developing it it went through a bunch of different directions. Oh, Apparently, said Blizzard said that wasn't true. Yeah. Oh, really? They yeah, yeah, because to people, it. Okay. obviously, ever since that report came out, they've been, Blizzard have been bombarded with these questions like, yeah. are you going to be announcing Diablo 4 right. and they said no we weren't right, okay. like I think it was um, Kotaku said ages ago that, you know, that Diablo 4 is in development mm. they just haven't they haven't confirmed it yet yeah. but it is being worked on yeah we've seen like CVs have been like hiring for a new like yeah. loot based game it's like okay it's clearly going to be Diablo yeah. I mean for me a lot of this boils down to like it's a, it's a messaging problem like you know if they'd came out and opened the show with like you know a new Diablo and Diablo 4 teaser all you need is yeah. a logo or something and then hey to tide you guys over we're going to have something have a go at something yeah. new and here's Diablo Immortal like when Bethesda did Fallout 76, they also sweetened the deal with an Elder Scrolls 6 teaser. Well, 
that's what yes. I was saying. Yeah. I, was, I was chatting to Rach earlier because I asked Rach about this because obviously Rach is our like resident Blizzard Diablo, yeah. Diablo World of Warcraft person, and yes. she's really excited for yeah. uh, this game because okay. it is a because it is a from what we've seen, it is a full Diablo game just on mobile. Mm. I don't know whether they dug deep into any of the microtransaction potential out of all hmm. of this, mm-hmm. um, but from what we can see, it looks like a proper mobile game because when you say mobile game now, you always think of the whole it's free, but you get loads of ads unless yeah. you pay yeah. for it. And there's all these walls. But like I remember when I first got my iPod Touch back God knows when <laughs> and you could buy games for a few quid and yeah. then you had the game. And mm-hmm. it's like when games do that, it's amazing because mm. you don't see it very often and hopefully this is what this Diablo game is going to be and it is a full-on Diablo game. Yeah. I know that controls and stuff will be different because it's using a touch screen which isn't for everyone but it's still a, a full-on Diablo mm-hmm. game. To but, go back um, to the funding side of it because I think this is the potential grey area. Well, I don't, nece- I don't necessarily see this as a grey area but I'm trying to empathise with the people that are infuriated. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you support a franchise over the course of, I mean Diablo's been going for 22 years or whatever, if you support a franchise for that long and you put that much money into it, how much does the consumer that has allowed Blizzard to keep going and, and try these creative risks how much is that company then beholden to the consumer itself because that's something that you have in the tech industry and you have it in you know you have it in non-artistic mm. forms because it's like well you know this phone had a broken screen so that next year i'll pay the money it'll be the better version and i'm assuming that they'll have fixed the bug but like yeah, you know going forward in, in gaming and film and in artistry you don't have that it's not a bug it's a new game it's the thing i know that's what i mean so like, there's like a, there's it's, such a it's, it's not like a big blip on it or anything mm. um it's a real fine line because I don't want to say like oh fans shouldn't get anything like for fan service because mm. fan service is a wonderful thing and like when they do make things and do like little nods and, and films and that sort of thing that mm. are related around the fan experience they are amazing um, I think the whole thing with this is just this, the whole specific situation where Diablo 4 is coming like it is coming yeah. this is just something in the meantime it's like when you talk about Bethesda like Elder Scrolls had that Blades to get, or Blades yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or something um, I think it's very comparable because, because yeah. like I said this because I said this right earlier that was kind of what I was going to go for mm-hmm. I completely forgot where I was going with my point but mm-hmm. like yeah um, at E3 Bethesda turned around and said hey here's Elder Scrolls Blade is a full on like 3D RPG yeah. on your phone which mm-hmm. everyone was like uh, okay that's really cool but <laughs> we know that mobile games don't work that well so how well is it going to work but then mm-hmm. obviously they sweeten the deal by turning around and saying hey it is coming uh, yeah. Elder Scrolls 6 is coming yeah. and I think if Blizzard turned around and said here's here's um, Diablo Immortal and everyone goes, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and then. But by the way, yeah. But by the way, you know, literally they could do the Metro Prime Four thing from what last year. Mm-hmm. But they just went, it's in development. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's here. It's coming. We mm-hmm. don't know when. We don't. You know, we've realised. I don't know why they haven't looked at Bethesda at E3 because we didn't get any release date for Starfield, any no. release date for Elder Scrolls Six. No yeah. window at all. But people were just happy that it was it was acknowledged yeah. yeah same with Metro Prime 4 it's all people want from Valve about Half-Life 3 or a new Portal game <laughs> yeah. all we want is the acknowledgement True. if they did that I feel like this whole debacle would be nowhere near as big yeah. I think that's I think like I said it, it boils down to a messaging issue like I always like trying to see both sides so I'm like trying to pick apart the potential it is the entitled fandom thing and usually yes. I, I just don't agree with that side of it personally but it's like yeah they obviously have a, a hell of an investment in the franchise and a lot of people grew up with Diablo so they're like oh my god you're taking this thing that is a part of me and you're doing this thing with it that I don't want and I'm going to get all angry about it and it's just sort of like well you can be reminded that you're in a creative medium and you don't dictate what the company yeah. does hmm. and it's like that's maybe something that just maybe that is all it is the bottom line is if it's not what they want and the thing that they want is coming just don't buy this well, yeah, yeah. just don't engage with it just like, continue to wait yeah. I mean because I, mm-hmm. I asked Rach how long ago Diablo 3 was and I said it, seal, it, it doesn't feel yeah. that long ago and it's like 2012 okay that was what six years ago yeah mm-hmm. 
like that's six years in, in I know that we're, we're used to annual games nowadays mm-hmm. but like six years for a game development wait time doesn't sound absolutely dreadful I mean it was like what it was 11 but it was, years it was, it was 12 years between 2 and right. 3 because it was 2000 for Diablo 2 right. and then 2012 for Diablo 3 so it's like you, you, you know, you've had 6 years I and mean, I know that might be a long time but they've still had DLC I think last year apparently Yeah, it's like this game is still being catered for you've still got this mm-hmm. yeah. I think if you want to, if you're going to be really difficult about it being on mobile, just just take a step back and just thank the Lord that this wasn't Diablo Four. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> because when when because it's happened in the past, it's happened a few times in the past where companies gone, okay, here's a big series, mm-hmm. it's a really popular series, here's the official sequel, it's on mobile. Well, it happened with Sonic, yeah, with Sonic Four Episode One and Two, which were both absolute garbage. Yeah, yeah. it happened with Rollercoaster Tycoon, mm-hmm. not Rollercoaster, not Rollercoaster Tycoon, but it happened to them. It happened to them as well, and it completely flopped. Some of the most egregious examples of that, too. That's a really, really good point. Uh, Command and Conquer was like, oh, the new exactly. Command and yeah. Conquer, only on phones. The, the, the new the Dungeon Keeper, only on that, phones. Like, when they announced... Was it EA's? Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. EA's property, yeah. When yeah. they announced that, and everyone... Like, they did that really cheesy, like, proper eSports style <laughs> thing at <laughs> With E3. shoutcasters. And, oh, God. It was very... It was, it, was, it was awful. Everyone just said, yeah. like, what on earth is this? But, like, like, the, but the thing point, is, though, though. The, the worst thing about that was that was the sequel we were getting mm. for that yeah. game whereas it's like you, you know as much as it's not been properly confirmed by Blizzard you know that Diablo 4 is coming yes. if this isn't for you as you said just don't buy it mm-hmm. mm. just continue to wait like the rest of us are for the games that we've wanted for years we're mm-hmm. just still sitting here waiting I think oh, Elder like, Scrolls I'm still waiting <laughs> like, that's oh, just 2025 Elder Scrolls <laughs> 6 but I think yeah I think it's always a push and pull on any creative medium obviously you want to have you know bankable aspects to the creative work but you want to take risks as well and it's just it's an interesting thing to pick apart like you know that, that relationship between a creative and the consumer because they are always in flux yeah. so I think this is a, a, a notable boiling over point and it's got a lot of people talking mm-hmm. but whatever let's move on to something else this is from Jacob Bow who says is there anything you love outside of gaming that you'd love to see turned into a game it can be music book ad- adaptation a movie a board game anything mm. now this immediately made me well you guys think this immediately made me think made me think of Double Fine's uh, Brutal Legend um, oh, which was which was such a good idea yeah, the like, art direction in that game is perfection it's yeah. literally like a, a look at 80s and 90s thrash metal or metal in general and just taking that as an art direction all the different album covers and the different over the top personas that metal people have metal people and putting that into (laughs) a game and it looked absolutely gorgeous first few levels were brilliant and from there it turned into this terrible top well this terrible like manually controlling RTS and it was just a bag and so that game I would have that take metal and do something else Mm. with metal again because there's so many caricatures and over the top stuff that you could do with metal and they should do like a really stupid like telltale style this is spinal tap where you're like <laughs> what is the most ridiculous things you could do to come out of it um, that I would be amazing that. but like for, for me um I, I don't, I don't know, because there's so many things that would be actually really be perfect as games. Mm-hmm. Like the board game Talisman, I feel like that really, really old one. It's like mm-hmm. 30 years old or something. It's had loads of iterations. It's come out as a mobile game, okay. as like a mobile board game. But I'd like to see something inspired by that world as an RPG because I love fantasy yeah. RPGs. So I think that as another thing. It, I don't know if it'd add anything particularly new, but it'd be really interesting, and I, I would love that. Speaking so. of board games too, I would throw Avalon in because yes. Avalon is a game where you yes. just have to pretend you're either good or evil, and no one knows who each other is yeah. and you have to try and figure out who, where, which side you fall on and I've never seen that done in a video game yeah. I think so. there's a game called Town of Salem okay. Town of Salem I can't Salem. figure out how to pronounce it but there's a game like that where you have somebody who is like an evil person I think right. I've, I've got friends who've played it and it's apparently it's something kind of similar to that Okay. Hmm. Um, as for me in terms of like 
the first thing I think about, I think of like a, some a, a text that exists that I want somebody to do something with and do it correctly, mm. and that is H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Oh God! Because <laughs> it's been it's been done to death in various forms. Um, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds is one of my favorite albums, both the old one and the new one of all time. I fucking love them. <laughs> <laughs> and. And then they did the, the 1953 film is my favourite film of all time. Nice. The 2005 Tom Cruise film can go die in a fire. That's going. <laughs> that's no. going. That's going in the bonfire. It's not a game. <laughs> Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds is going in a bonfire. It's awful. Oh, I like um, it. And they're doing a new TV series. Right. BBC. Are doing You'll it. hate uh, that as well. Why are they doing a TV series? Because no, no, the thing is, the basic thing about that right. one is, it's being based on the original era. Okay. Which they've never done. I mean, the, 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 the audio, the, the musical version is kind of in the right era, but they've never done like a visual version set mm. in the Victorian era when the, book's, when the book is set. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought about like a Last of Us style third person survival game yeah. in that universe of the whole thing happening, like a proper narrative yeah. version really of that. It's a, a really, really gritty, uh, but it's a, it's a game you play as the journalist and stuff like that. I mean, nice. it'd be interesting how they could do combat. I mean, they probably wouldn't. They'd probably mm. try and find yeah. a way around doing it, like a really immersive third-person game. Not so much like a Detroit or a Heavy Rain <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> no, you want something a bit Still, more action-heavy. Yeah, with a bit more... Um, Right, yeah, it's a bit more kinetic. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Thing. Something Dynamic. like something like that, maybe. I, I think it's just I've always had this obsession with seeing that text turned into something that matches the original text because it's always been taken out of its mm. time. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see something like that. And I don't know why it's just come into my head, but I thought a video game in that kind of style, like I see it as a PS4 exclusive that looks really stunning and yes. it's all third person. Like it's, it's. I feel like that would work. Kind of like a mm. Days Gone, but. Like more promising, and also with yeah, the but, but, but the thing is, it actually obviously as the story goes, it mm. take you are so you start the game before it and you finish the game at the great. end of it. Like there's no, I mean, I know the Last of Us, you just have the big, you've got the jump from the beginning straight mm. through way past. You do day each month. Days gone. I don't, I don't know whether that's going to start before the. In the, before I the apocalypse or whatever, or it's going to be all after. Yeah, I'd like the idea to, to play through that, going through the whole mm-hmm. events of the book. And I yeah. think that'd be really cool. That sounds great. There's um, another one, actually. I'm going to go on. in. I read a creepypasta the other day, which was great. Because it's it, 2003. Yes, I live on... Uh, I mean, have you ever played any, like, indie creepypasta games? Because they're actually quite good. <laughs> yeah, they are genuinely quite good. I literally oh, live, I live on Boom no sleep. Face, like, I bloody love no sleep. Um, but there was, this, there was this one on there that was about a... Uh, Oh, if I could remember the author, I would credit the author, but I can't. Uh, it, it, it was a like a phone phone game that was about um, them hunting down ghosts with their phones. So okay. like the, the it would like procedurally generate all these ghosts and things and like storylines. Um, and you were like a ghost hunter and you had to do like your own documentary and people would sign into like your live stream. That um, cool. And they would make ghosts appear in certain locations on your map and you'd have to go and find it and like there'd be like a treasure there or something the story obviously wasn't very nice and it ended badly <laughs> but um, that would be a really cool idea it'd be like Pokemon Let's Go with ghosts but also like having to follow like a scavenger hunt with things that happen in real life as well so it'd have to be it would be, it would be interesting kind of like an AR type yeah. thing I like the idea of it, it would be like, it'd, be, it'd be like a company would have to decide to do it and then do it as events because, like, yeah. to make it actually work but it would it, I think that would be really cool yeah I mean there's a lot of seeds in, in gaming that are heading towards that anyway like yeah. with Pokemon Go I mean even Niantic have gone back to Ingress, which is their other thing they did before. Yes, they've relaunched it, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and it's just like there's lots of elements that bring in social media and stuff like that. So good shout. It's potentially a thing that they could do. Now, that's all the time we have for now, but we'll be back later in the week and next week and hopefully from then on in. But for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been Scott, your host, John Byash. Ah, that's me. Bye. I'm John Byrich. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) I'll catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.